Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast helping wine students and wine enthusiasts alike to learn about all the wines of the world. I'm Matthew Gorn, and I'm a WCT certified educator, and in this podcast, I explore different wine regions and different grape varieties, and also interview producers from all around the world to explore the vast world of wine. In this episode, I'm joined by three producers from Cava, the Spanish sparkling wine, and we're going to talk about Cava, its position, its future, and its identity. And I'm joined by Jose Maria Ferrer from Vince Familia Ferrer, who also make the Cansala and La Frisioneda labels, by Maria Pujol Musquets from Alta Alea, and also by Marta Casas from Parish Balta. So three really good producers uh, to talk about Cava and really get a deep understanding of the region and the style of wine. So we have um, Jose Maria Ferrer. Uh, can you introduce yourself first of all? Hi, I'm Jose Maria Ferrer. I'm well representing Cansala. Cansala is a historical and small cellar belonging to the Ferrer family and is part of the new group that we have created, uh, Ferrer Family Wines. In Cansala, we only produce Cava de Paraje and, well, it's very small quantity. We only produce between 10,000 and 15,000 bottles per vintage. And, well, we are focused in the high quality and the higher tire of the quality of the cava, the cava de paraje. And that's what we're going to be talking about today as well, about the quality cava that we should all be enjoying, not just the supermarket cava. Mariah, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. Thank you. Well, my name is Mireia Pujol Busquets. I'm the second generation of the winery Altaleya in Salle de las Aus. I'm a biologist and I grew up uh, surrounded by bottles first because my mom uh, has a wine shop since I was born. And then I grew up surrounded by vineyards, these vineyards that you see here. Um, This is a family project. We are in Aleya, that is the smallest appellation in Spain, 10 kilometers north of Barcelona. And we make still wines under the appellation Alea, but we produce also Cava under the appellation Cava. Uh, We've been organic since the beginning, so for 32 years now. And we've been also pioneers in making wines without sulfides and Cavas without sulfides uh, during the last 18 years. Um, We are a small winery. We produce less than half a million bottles, but we are quite... um, well, I think that we, we want to be in the avant-garde always, no? And we are uh, selling our wines um, in like 30 different countries right now. We are quite um, open to to the um, communicate the, the wine in, in our region because we are very close to Barcelona. And yeah, this is our lifestyle. I like that, your lifestyle. It's a nice yeah. way of thinking about it. Uh, Marta, can you introduce yourself? Hello, so I'm Marta Casas, uh, one maker and uh, part of the family of Paris Volta Winery. And uh, this winery is uh, owned for the Cousine family. My husband and my brother-in-law um, both uh, are managing this. And in the past was my father-in-law and the grandfather who owned it and who managed all the vineyards and uh, the cellar. But uh, we're the wives, me and my sister-in-law, who studied uh, winemaker. I was at the beginning uh, a pharmacist. And, uh, well, I wanted to study only to know uh, what was the the vines, what was uh, the tasting. And, uh, well, little by little, I was introduced uh, more and more and uh, still uh, now uh, from uh, 2002, I started uh, in the winery. So 21 years ago, that I'm there. And, uh, well, uh, we are, um, uh, we have uh, 200 uh, hectares of vineyard in different um, altitudes, in different microclimates in Penedes. Uh, we are located in a small town that's called Pax del Penedes, only 10 minutes uh, far from the, the main village, Villa Franca del Penedes. And all the vineyards are certified uh, organic since the beginning. When I started in 2002, we're certified just in 2003. This year is the 20th anniversary. 
And in 2013, we attained the Demeter certification. So it's a biodynamic agriculture. So this year, the 10th anniversary as well. And uh, well, uh, we produce in Cava around 4,000 bottles. And also we are making uh, still wine, uh, different styles. But in Cavas, it was uh, from the beginning uh, when Paris Volta started. Uh, it was owned uh, from another family that was named after Paris, but now it's another family who bought uh, 40, 45 years ago, no more, uh, yes, 45 years ago, the, the winery and the, the brand as well. So now it's a different family, but all the time was managed uh, for families. And well, uh, we are uh, with uh, different projects, with different uh, points of view in the winemaking, also in, in uh, low uh, sulfides added or low intervention wines as well in Cava too. So little by little, we are doing uh, different things in, in Charello, mainly 100%, not uh, single, single variety, but well, we are doing different things about this with Renage as well also with uh, the, the other varieties that are allowed and, well, mm, experimenting and uh, with uh, open-minded in this uh, Cava world and with these new rules that are very interesting nowadays. So we have three uh, family producers, quite small, and also really interested in the land and working with the land and um, taking Cava into the future. So we can talk about all those different topics. But first of all, let's just talk about Cava in general and the identity of Cava. Let's start with you, Jose. How would you define the identity of Cava? Oof, it's, very, it's very difficult. Well, Cava is sparkling wine produced by the traditional method. That's very, very clear. But I think that we, well, we, we are kind of in a, in a crossroads. I think that Cava is trying to find his identity. Until now, Cava has been identified by a low-end supermarket product. And I think that now we are trying to find a new identity to, well, to, to, to take away or to, to get out of the complexes that we, that we have and to prove that we can produce first-class sparkling wine comparable with any other in the, in, the, in the world, with our own personality, of course. That's very important. Not the soils and the, and the grape varietals are going to give us a, a very unique personality. So I think that, that this is important. No? The, the Consejo Regulador, the appellation, is giving us the, the tools we, to improve our, our image and to, to find a new identity and to find and to produce a sparkling wine that can fight with any others in terms of quality. Right, so definite emphasis on quality. And Mariah, do you want to add anything to that? Well, for me, identity is also talking about origin, no? And I think that we've been dealing with this, no, in the Cava appellation. We don't have to forget that the Cava appellation it's a it's a young appellation uh, in the in the general world of like regulations and everything, and and it was a little bit stuck, you know. There were it was a little bit obsoleted. And during the last years, um, finally, we are now able to talk about origin. And I think that this is um, this is something that all people that are involved in Cava, we always uh, had the origin, no? Like, of course, like everyone. But we were not, like, able to communicate it or we it was not something that could be, like, on the front row of our identity. And right now, I think it's on the front row no and we have to really fight for this and it's a super challenge because we can i mean we all believe a lot in this but then we have to be able to communicate it it's not easy no to get to the final consumer but um now i think that things are really really clear and for us like for us like um individually um, our identity is really clear because we are in Alea and our um, zone and subzone is called Serra da Mar we are in front of the sea no 
we have a, a granitic soil and uh, we have like of course varieties that are in the cab appellation but we work with uh, some grapes that are more mm, uh, related to our territory in Alea also. So I think that for me, identity is 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 this, no? So you've mentioned the, the region that um, you make wine in, and all three of you are in slightly different villages. And within the area, there's five sub-regions, right? Contacts to Barcelona. And so, um, Marta, which sub-region are you in? And what is um, kind of your climate and soil types like? which distinguish it from other parts of the re region. Is here we are in Comptes uh, de Barcelona, Anoia Foch, that's uh, this area uh, surrounded with these two rivers, very little rivers. <laughs> but uh, this terroir, uh, I think it's um, good, very good for this history that we have behind us of this uh, cava uh, in all of these years that was um, in, in the point of international view and now we have to recover or recuperate this um, character, this um, energy that uh, the producers uh, put a lot of effort with this. In the past, uh, we it was um, history or um, a moment of this environmental uh, moment of uh, economics or whatever that the politics if you want but now I think we need to be focused in the future be focused in these varietals that are iconic from here Charello, Grenache, uh, this uh, Macabeo as well, Parellado of course and uh, these uh, geographical features here with the um, uh, Serra d'Ancosa, the mountains that we have just uh, in the north um, uh, west, west uh, with the Macizo del Garraf, with the big mm, mm, flat uh, part that is where is the bigger uh, production of cava. But uh, with this segmentation, with the um, um, organic agriculture that it's um, um, it's mm, very important for the um, Cava de Guarda Superior and Reserva, Gran Reserva, Paraje, that's uh, the main things in this segmentation that I think it's uh, to have focus in it, to have focus in this character and uh, to, to show to the consumer that these uh, Cavas can be great, can be with long aging, with uh, um, powerful in, in in flavors, in aromas, and uh, having a good, good uh, quality in in this region. Yeah, so we think of Cava as a very big concept because it covers lots of Spain, and then you have the Penedès Do, but then you have these smaller subregions. It's really talking about where the wine comes from as locally as possible, rather than just a big broad um, image. Um, Jose, where are you based? I'm based in Mediona. Mediona is the highest part of Penedès. It's next to the Serra de Ancosa. And, well, our, our, the, the, the queen grape there is the, the Parellada, so that makes our, our cava. We try to, to make our cavas mostly with Parellada, so that makes our, gives our cavas a, a big personality. It's very different than many other cavas. And then, because we are at altitude, we have the, well, it's a, we have a big state, it's 200 hectares. We are between 400 meters and we go up to 700 and 700 meters. I think we have a vineyard at 715. It was planted three years ago. And probably, if it's not the highest vineyard in the Panades, it's close by. So, and that gives us a microclimate that is quite, quite good for growing the good quality, good quality grapes. Before Mireia was talking about the communication, I think it's very, very important to communicate because now we have the tools, we have the sonification, the segmentation, we have all the tools to, to make good covers. And, and Marta was talking about the different regions and the personality of the, the different products coming from different, different parts of, of Penedès or the Cava region. But at the same time, this communication, we have to make the things easier to understand for the consumers. I think that we can 
well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of confusing the consumer with so many terms and so many. So it's very important to communicate, but to communicate in the, in the right way. It has to be very easy for the consumer to understand how the cava can reach great quality levels and not get confused with so many words and origins and places. So, because if not, well, we, we risk that, no? the confusion, to get the consu consumers scared about all these wars and places that they don't, they don't know where they are. So that's a little bit um, one of the dangers that we have with this new reglament. So that's always the difficulty, isn't it? You want to educate the consumer, but not confuse them or give them too much not information all at once. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's important to educate about CAVA so consumers realise it's not just one big uniform product. Uh, before we talk about the different uh, regulations and designations, let's talk about the great varieties. Um, Mariah, do you want to talk about the great varieties that you work with for CAVA? Well, I'm a biologist, so I, I never talk about uh, autochthonous varieties because I want I always talk about tradition no, and things like that because autochthonous is a big word. And if you look it on the dictionary, uh, uh, it's difficult to, to say that we have autochthonous species nowadays in the global world. So I really love talking about tradition. And here in Alea, we have um, also different names from the grape varieties that we use in Cava. No? Um, so for whites, the most important grape variety in Alea is called Panza Blanca. That it's uh, what is known in the Penedes region for um, uh, Charelu, okay? And Aleya is also known for um, white wine. So here the white grapes are like with more tradition. Panza Blanca would be one of the top uh, uh, grapes for making cava in our case. And then also uh, something very opposite is the Muvedre. Or, mon or monastrail that we call it Mataró. That in Sonoma and California, there are all vines of Mataró. Great. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that the capital of Aleya, of the region Aleya, it's Mataró. So the name comes from Aleya. So the vines from Aleya were uh, traveling uh, from the port, from the port of Mataró that has always been a big port, to Australia and California, no? So it has a very, very old story, Aleya and, um, and the grape varieties, no? And also uh, something important of this grape variety that no one talks about, now Mataró is, uh, we use it for uh, uh, rosé cavas, no? But uh, many wineries use it for uh, Blanc de Noirs, no? Uh, but uh, the first cava, my father always explained me, no, that one of the first cava that was created as a cava was a Blanc de Noirs of Mataró. was not a classic blend of Macabeu Charelu Parallada. So when the Appellation Cava was uh, formed, uh, one of the first cavas was a Blanc de Noirs of Mataró, no? So this would be one of, like, two of the most important grape varieties for us that have also a romantic uh, tradition, I don't know how to say, um, with, with our region. So talking about the past, but also the present and the future as well, drawing on that tradition to create uh, great wines today. And what about you, Marta? What grape varieties do you work with? We work with um, mainly of all of the varieties that are approved in the, in the rules, not with Subirat Paren, we don't have it, Malvasia Subirat Paren. And uh, with reds, we only use uh, Pinot Noir as uh, a Blanc de Noirs and uh, Grenache, not Monastrell, not Trepat. But we work uh, mainly with Macabeo, Charello, Parellada, a little bit of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir and Grenache uh, for Rosé. All the time in the past was uh, made the um, typical blend with uh, the three kings, no, the three or queens, the Macabeo Parallada. Right now, we are uh, working more and more uh, with Charello, close to 100%, 80-90% in different blends. Also, these blends are for long aging, so we, we are experimenting with this a uh, lot of time ago uh, with uh, Charello in long aging. And uh, surprise, surprise, no, it's um, something that uh, we have the history now, the, the data, 
that uh, we can say that Charello, it's a versatile variety and uh, in uh, Cava, you can use it for, for these aging Cavas, uh, Gran Reserva. And uh, with Grenache, it was um, like a bit in a, some, in a, some years ago when we decided to use it for a rosé that is called, it's named after the grandmother. She passed away just just um, two years ago. Uh, Rosa Cousine. Rosa means rosé rose, and we wanted to make it uh, for her honor. And we started with Grenache for this reason, because uh, we had for only for still wines for red wines. And well, in 2008 was the first time that uh, we use it, and we are very proud of it. Also, uh, for export, uh, we make uh, rosé that's uh, mixed with. Um, uh, white and red, so it's a little bit of Grenache with a little bit of Macabeo and, and, and Parellada. So it's quite unusual to have Grenache for um, a sparkling wine. Do you find mm. it easy or difficult to work with for rosé? It's quite difficult at the beginning when you're not used to, uh, to use it because um, in the past, remember that uh, not too much uh, time ago, rosés were with um, quite color, intensity color. And uh, right now are more pale, more uh, lighter in, in intensity. And at the beginning was difficult for this reason that uh, making um, a powerful color in rosé, then if you age it a little bit, uh, it's uh, changing in this, um, in this touch of uh, brownish, uh, reddish, that's sometimes uh, in appearance, it's not um, the best uh, color to see. Then in the, on the palette, it's uh, perfect, but sometimes only we judged uh, for, for the appearance. And uh, well, uh, when it came the trendy moment of these pale roses, was just beginning this uh, 2008, 2010, when we started with this uh, Rosa Cousine, Gran Reserva, 100% Grenache. And well, uh, it was perfect to, to begin with this pale roses in Cava and also Gran Reserva, that the color is uh, salmon and it's quite good. Uh, I like it a lot, this um, nuance that it has uh, in, in, in this rose color. And also you mentioned Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Uh, what's mm -hmm. your opinion about using French grape varieties? When I started in 2002, uh, we used it, uh, well, in 2003 was, we used it in, in our iconic cava, that's Blanca Cousinet, that uh, it's a Blanc de Noir. And at the beginning was only Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and mainly Pinot Noir uh, as a Blanc de Noir. Uh, little by little, uh, we introduced uh, Shiloh in this blend, and um, the change was uh, very interesting. And right now, the, the cava that is uh, currently in, in the market, the, um, the 2013 vintage, it has 80% uh, of uh, Shiloh. So we reduced drastically <laughs> the, um, the content of uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Uh, both uh, add this elegance, uh, the elegancy, this uh, subtle and uh, silky notes, the, the bubbles that are very, very, mm, this finesse, uh, creamy, and this touch that's uh, perfect. But with Shorello, we thought that um, took another character. So we use it, we have this, uh, these plots in the mountain, just uh, we are neighbors with the the vineyards at uh, 750 meters of altitude. We have there the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir in the Serra d'Ancosa, in the area of Puntons. Mediona is just neighboring this, this, uh, our vineyards. And, uh, well, we are very happy with uh, the result of this. But um, every year we have seen that with the climate change, uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay even in this altitude, uh, the harvest is uh, earlier and earlier, and uh, we are suffering a lot with this. Uh, it's a challenge to, to fight. And well, uh, the altitude is um, a good um, um, thing to, to, to fight to the climate change. 
because of these uh, lower temperatures, this um, diurnal range that uh, it's better to develop the, the grapes. But uh, even with this, mm, we are struggling with it. <laughs> it's uh, a challenge, a real challenge that we have. So Jose, um, you're at high altitude and you work with the Parieda grape variety, which is more mm -hmm. suitable to high elevation plantings. Can you talk about that grape variety um, a bit more? Well, the Parellada is a, it's a very nice grape. It's very delicate, very, with a lot of aromas. And, and until now, it was thought that it was very difficult. It was a, a good complement for the Cava. So then the main grapes are always Macabeo and Charello. And Parellada was a good complement to add a little bit of finesse, a little bit of fruitiness and, and, and delicacy. But I, I, I think that with the right parellada in the right place, you can do cabas that age very, very, very well. So we are proving the, the experts wrong and we are proving them with our parelladas and we can age our cabas for 15, even more years. We have one vintage, it's 2005, it's 75% parellada, only 25% uh, charello that is looking great. So right now, we after um, 2015, eight, 18 years, it, it's young, it's still fresh with good acidity. So it's a cover that still can age for another five or even 10, 10 years. So that's, that's amazing. Um, in this sense, I have to say that the climate change is helping uh, us with the parellada. Thanks to the hot, hotter summers and hotter weather, we are getting parelladas that are much, much more extractor, have more sugar content, has more capacity to, to, to give powerful, powerful wines. So that is something that is, is helping us to make good products with the, with the parellada. And then in the blend, we, 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 train, we try to, to work with parellada, and then the charello will help us to, to give more muscle to the, to the blend, to give more, more acidity, more complexity, more alcohol content. And this is what we are doing. We only use Parellada and charello in our blends. But I'm not against the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. I think that the French varietals can be a nice complement and can help to, to create very, very unique and covers with, with, with good personality. But I think that for us it's important to work with the, with the traditional grapes of the, of the region. That is what will make our cava to be different from other competitors around the world, to give the personality to the cava and, to, and that the cava can, can stand by, by itself. So I think we've got a good impression of the different regions of cava and plantings nearer the sea and then plantings at higher altitude and all the different grape varieties and how you use them in blends to uh, reflect uh, the region and the styles of wine that you want to make. Mariah, let's go on to the regulations and can you describe what uh, Paraki Calificado is in one sentence? In one sentence? Yeah, <laughs> a simple description for the consumer to understand it. When I explain it, normally I ma I make it I use a synonym like single vineyard, like pago, uh, like a grand cru. This this is what as a paraje calificado is. So it's like a a unique vineyard, no? It's a unique vineyard that has um, some uh, unique characteristics um, that is. Um, qualified as a paraje calificado and of course there's a traceability that I think that we have we really need to mention this no that a cava now has a very strict traceability no that uh, because no if we compare to other um sparkling wines uh I think that we have to focus on this no the traceability that we are now uh that we have to follow right now no and acabada a paraje no acaba de paraje a paraje um, has uh, more uh, traceability or more exigent traceability than uh, other kinds of, of vineyards. No, the vineyards have to be older. Uh, there's more. Uh, there's less yield. Um, there's uh, more aging on the lease. So there's a uh, more exigent um, traceability. I would say. And going back to Jose, do you think consumers find this 
classification useful or confusing or is it still part of the education process? It is still part of the education. I'm doing a lot of visits and calling into a lot of customers and even professionals are still unaware of the new classification. So it's an ongoing process to explain them all the classification, what is the paraje, what is the Grand Reserva, what is the, the Reserva, and little by little having the, the consumer um, getting to know the different qualities of, of the tava. I think this is very, very important. We were talking before about the supermarket tava. It's very honest product. It's a, it's a very good product. But it's very interesting how cava has not been able to position itself as a um, different quality levels in the same category or with the same product. When you speak about champagne, you have very clear that you have very expensive champagnes. It can be up to 300 euros, but then you have the low end of champagne around 14, 15, 15 euros. And, and the consumer understands that very, very well. No, you can you can have high in champagne, low in champagne. It's, it's, it's not difficult to understand. With cava, it's much more difficult that the consumer accepts that they can be a high in cava. So it seems that we haven't been able to explain the consumer that we can have different categories into or, or different price categories into the into the same product. And this is why it's so important the segmentation and that the consumer understands the difference between Cava de Paraje, Gran Reserva, Integral Producer, and oh, this, this. sustainability. So I think that's very, very important. So you mentioned Integral Producer there. I've written in my notes that uh, Alta Alea is an Integral Producer. So Mariah, can you... Us, I think the three of us, yeah. that we were we were not talking about this. I was I write it down to mention because I think it's it's also something really important. And I know that there are lots of new terms, but we have to be passionate, I think. I mean, um, we've been fighting for many years to develop the, the regulation and now everything just came at the same time. And the only thing that we can do is talk about it, talk about it and like we have to be patient but um as, as as jose says i'm i'm traveling a lot like after covid i'm traveling a lot and i'm quite surprised that in some markets like in the us for example that people are really really well educated in terms of uh, of wine people know more things that i i i imagine you know and there are some countries like our country that it's more difficult <laughs> but uh, i i'm surprised i mean um i don't know i think we are all doing a great job in terms of explaining this also um not just explaining like um bringing our wines all over the world this is a this is a big effort a big challenge for family wineries like ours with uh, small resources you know and this is just it's like uh, it's uh, like the small ants like working very slowly all together and integral elaborator that I integral producer because I'm translating very bad we are the three of, of, of us we are this it's a group of 14 I think 14, 14 or yes. 14 mm -hmm. right now and it's that we process and vinified 100% of the of the grapes in in our wineries and of, i think it's really important and and in a big group of cava there are segments and there have to be segments no and and it's good that we all can have our own labels no and and we have to define ourselves if we are different even though we are in the same group and we want to be part of the group because we believe in the in the power of the of the brand and something that we haven't mentioned and that i think is the most important thing also in cava like we are organic since i was born and for me something very logic and very easy and very past, present and future, no? But nowadays we have to think that all the cavas with more than 18 months of aging are organic. And this in, in the global crazy world where we live, that it's a mess, it's amazing, you know? 
I think that we we have to be really proud of this. It's it's amazing, you know, like, and it's growing. And I think that the objective is that I think in 10 years, and I'm pessimist, all the cava is going to be organic. As Mireya was saying, I think that cava now has one of the strictest quality regulations in the in the world. So I think that we have well a lot of controls and a lot of quality rules to follow. So the, and and that's the, the way to go, no? Trying to make uh, year after year our product better, and and then it's the education and the communication, mm-hmm. explain to the consumers everything that that Tava is doing to to improve its quality. And so, Marta, following on from that, um, you're also certified biodynamic. How important is this for you, um, for farming practices? It's uh, something natural, like um, Mireia said. Uh, I was born like, as a winemaker in an organic way. So little by little was uh, introducing the biodynamics uh, as a studies because uh, we wanted to know what was biodynamics. And um, first of all, I have to say that I was a skeptic um, because uh, my studies were very, very scientified, scientific, sorry. Uh, pharmacist, you know, then one maker. It's not um, the hundred percent scientific because always, you know, in in one enology, one plus one never uh, makes uh, two. But well, I was there to learn to learn uh, uh, how was the, this uh, philosophy, this way of uh, life? And uh, I was surprised because uh, I like it a lot when I understood that the philosophy of the grandfather was this. Always he said, um, with, without knowing anything about organics, anything about biodynamic, he, he said that he wanted in the glass the wine mm, as natural as we can. Uh, biodynamics for us, uh, when I when I discovered all, I thought it was um, like um, our way to go because all the time the grandfather said this. Then we have the vineyards inside the forest, one the biggest part in the mountain, the foothills, and then in the mountain. So there is the river Foch, uh, the Foch. Uh, that we called, um, that we explained that it, it will be in the labels in this segmentation is uh, crossing our vineyards. Is burning just in 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 the in the area of Punton, in just uh, where we have the highest part. And uh, these uh, vineyards in the forest, these uh, plants that we have there, the horsetail, nettle, and other plants that we use for the preparations, were like uh, saying us, mm, here you have. Uh, the grandfather wanted uh, to do this because here this area for him was the the best area to to grow the vines. Always he said this, and at the beginning I didn't understand very well. But then little by little I understood uh, while we have done the the wines and seeing the developing of this ripeness in this area, this uh, altitude, this area with uh, humidity, with uh, with shadow in in the afternoons that was very important for the, um, the perfect ripening process. And uh, then all was very easy because uh, it's only following the organic way and then using other plants to heal your plants. And these preparations that um, every year we, we make and uh, we apply some of them for the soil, some uh, others for the, um, the growth part, the, the vegetal part, the, the leaves and the canes. And uh, it's the aim is uh, to have biodiversity in the soil that usually when you are in organic way, you are looking for it as well. So it's um, uh, another step after organic uh, way. And uh, we are very proud of this 10th anniversary uh, this year, may, uh, working in biodynamic way. It's um, costly. so little bit expensive, more expensive than only uh, working in an organic way because you need to, to pass uh, different uh, other um, um, inspections, auditories, and uh, the next month I have the, the meter inspection. So uh, losing time with the papers, with bureaucracy, and well, uh, going through the vineyards to, to see another time as uh, we do with uh, organic certification. 
so it's twice the year that uh, we are going to look at the vineyards and doing all of these uh, things. But well, I think it's a good value uh, at, added to to the product that um, for us it's something that now it's natural to to, to do, and uh, we 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 have it as as our normal way of uh, working. And so all three of you are working very closely with the land and. Um, the tradition and history, doing what your grandparents did and um, working with organics as well. Do you think the bigger producers are being as careful in the vineyard as you are? Marta, what do you think? Depends. Depends on uh, this um, bigger producer. <laughs> Always there are uh, people. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching as well in, in the um, agriculture schools, uh, teaching biodynamics and other things. And uh, always I, I have uh, students that are older than me and uh, farmers that are uh, people very important in the region. And there are different kinds of um, visions and different kinds of philosophies. But little by little, all is changed because, uh, you know, that Cabo region is in the same area as Penedes. And Penedes as well is uh, this area for steel wines and sparklings as well. But uh, that it's focused in being in becoming 100 percent uh, organic in uh, 2030. Last uh, wine fair in Barcelona, in Barcelona Wine Week, uh, was exposed in a in a conference by the president of the appellation that it it would be it would be um, true that uh, it's something incredible that to, that in 2013 we can we can uh, became become become uh, um, organic 100%. So the philosophy, the way of uh, working, uh, also the rules and the controls that every year are um, stronger, um, makes this change in uh, reducing yields, in becoming uh, organic as well, because it's well paid. So little by little growers as also for this reason that obviously the economic reason it's important that uh, they uh, are better paid uh, for um, organic grapes. And um, in the past was different, of course, uh, it's another another chapter of our lives in Cava. But now I think uh, we need to, to go to the future. Uh, another time I say that it's another another film, another <laughs> another um, step, and uh, little by little, uh, people is um, taking care of what are they applying, which chemicals. If always I said to the students, um, it's not the best becoming a biodynamic grower or a organic grower. It's not the best. The best is that you feel. If you feel that uh, being a conventional, but in um, doses, in a dosage of, uh, of the treatments, well done, or making it uh, as you think that's the best, I think uh, it's not, uh, you, you can follow it. You can um, continue doing this because you're feeling, you, you're feeling that, uh, it's the right uh, way for you, for your enterprise, for your uh, seller, or uh, even if you are only a wine pine grower. Um, but then if, on the contrary, you have doubts, you are not sure, you have, uh, you are a little bit scared of the future, um, then the other opportunity is to study, to, to learn, to to read about uh, organic, about um, regenerative. That's another version. It's it's uh, another step, but mm, between organic and biodynamic, I think regenerative agriculture is in the middle because it's uh, focusing in, in the soil and uh, um, another time looking for the biodiversity and uh, the caption of CO2, these kind of things that's important to observe and to um, to, to work with, with the soil, that's perfect, to, to work with cover crops as well. So this uh, philosophy that now is all changing, I think it's a revolution here in, in the area, in the big area, Penedes, Cava. That's a big revolution changing uh, the, the mind and uh, being open-minded and, and uh, little by little uh, working in this, in this way. So let's um, conclude by thinking about the future of Cava, which you've been touching on there about increased organics and more attention to the land. And Mariah, you said you're a pessimist. Are you optimistic about the future of Cava? 
No, I'm not a pessimist. No? I say, no, I said that if I'm pessimist, that in 10 years, all the cava would be organic. No, but I'm very optimistic, I think. So can you repeat me the question? Are you optimistic about the future of cava? I have to be. I must be. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm optimistic. And it's true. I mean, uh, we have to think about the future. We have to think about the legacy. No, we have to to think about sustainability. And I think that everything that we are doing and are is on this uh, road. No, on this path. So yes, I am. I am. But uh, we have to we have to be careful, and we we have to be exigent and more exigent and we we don't have to forget this no that where we come from what we have accomplished and it's it's this it's what we were talking about um this um this appellation it's very exigent and it is no um we are in a small um we are a technical committee tasting all the wines no um um Marta's sister-in-law is I don't know if Marta you are also or is your sister-in-law right now no my sister-in-law so, and, and I I'm with her sometimes and we were doing so we are a technical committee okay tasting all the wines uh, before we decide they are uh, cava or not cava also like um, plus all the traceability that you have to uh, do no but we have a tasting and we've been uh, for more than one year preparing ourselves with a with a teacher like a doctorate in in pharmacy and like studying our brains and studying how we have to you know analyze the wine so there's a lot of excision in terms of of paperwork but also in terms of uh, organoleptic uh, characteristics of the wines and it's really really excision and we have to continue being more and more and more excision it's it's the only the only way and we also have to know which things we we can't like which mistakes we can't repeat uh, try to try to also um, stop comparing ourselves with other kinds of uh, sparkling wines and just be ourselves you know because we have been always trying to compare i'm not gonna say words or or names but compare ourselves to other sparkling ones no we are kava and we have to believe in in who we are and we have a uh, wonderful characteristics and it's we need to believe in ourselves i think jose what do you think about the future of kava well i think we have a great future I'm very, very optimistic. We are doing the, the right things. We are going in the right direction. And everything is there to, to conquer the, the world. Kava conquered the world in the past with low-end product. Now everything is there so we can conquer the world with, with high-end quality Kava. I think that we just need to explain our history, what Kava is to the, to the consumers and just let them to taste the product and they will appreciate the quality, they will appreciate everything that we are doing, they will appreciate our history and the only thing that we can do is to be optimistic and the future is, is, is for Kava. And Marta, do you have anything to add? It's, um, the new rules are um, like a breath uh, for this uh, Kava moment. The um, segmentation will provide um, the curiosity of new consumers, I think. And um, it's an opportunity to explain these areas, different uh, areas in, in Spain that uh, we can make the Kava. Also, this segmentation, Cava de Guarda or Guarda Superior, that Superior, it's um, more aging and organic um, agriculture as well. So, well, all is in 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 the positive um, side. Uh, I think uh, we need to forget um, bad things in the past, and now going uh, on uh, with uh, these uh, markets that uh, perhaps young people uh, don't know anything about uh, Kava or if they know something about Kava, it's something 
uh, that uh, for for all these people and um, no, we have to explain that uh, kava can be it's a versatile product. Uh, it can be for celebrate or for uh, an aperitif and um, uh, a, a whole lunch or dinner. That's uh, depending on the kava. You can uh, pair in different moments. You can um, drink it in, with different things, and you can enjoy it very very. In a funny way, uh, even it's if you're a younger uh, drinker, a younger wine lover. So I think um, we have here a good um, moment to explain to to change this labeling with the Laborador Integral as well. That we have this a uh, good good point to explain these people that are interested in this that uh, to 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 understand what's moving on in Cava and uh, what are the news. So. Uh, these points, I think, are very, very important if we uh, take advantage of them and we we explain to the consumers and uh, international markets that uh, I think it's um, for for these um, markets that we have to explain all and uh, they can understand perfectly because uh, people. Uh, more and more uh, wants to know, wants to um, understand areas. And uh, when you are introducing in the uh, world of wine, uh, my experience that it was like this, I, I didn't know anything about wine. So it was uh, very new for me in 20 years ago, 21 years ago. So uh, I think um, Kava ha has a lot of homework and uh, we will do it. And we are in this challenge. As um, this interview has proven, there's lots to talk about with Cava, the different grape varieties, different styles of wine, uh, the different regions, and this attention to improving the quality and having better farming practices. There's lots of positives to talk about. And of course, um, education. I just completed an online course organised by the Cava Academy for WCT certified educators. So when I teach WCT, I can really get into detail about Carva and help educate about the wines and the region, which I'm very happy and excited to do. Super. Thank you for all um, for attending um, all the way from Spain, uh, virtually. Hopefully I'll get to meet you one day over in uh, Catalonia. We will wait for you here. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to come. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very Bye. much. <laughs>